and away we go. Welcome into The Dish, a fantasy baseball strategy podcast. I'm your host, Dan Strafford. Stepping up to The Dish today is none other than Justin Mason, founder of the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, or TGFBI, co-owner, fantasy benefits, writer, and podcaster over at Fangraphs, specifically co-hosting one of the top fantasy baseball podcasts, Sleeper and the Bust with Paul Spore. I will ask who is the sleeper and who is the bust later on. Uh, and most importantly, I'm sure you've never gotten that joke before. Uh, most importantly, uh, <laughs> swimsuit model over at RotoWare. Uh, you want to check out those pictures whenever you have time. Justin, thanks so much for hopping on the podcast. Of course, man. Uh, when you told me you were starting a new project, I was like, Super excited to listen, super excited to uh, be a guest, so thank you Absolutely, for you are always a go-to. Uh, we briefly spoke before we started, and you said you're busy. I feel like you're always busy, uh, so I appreciate you taking the Damn. time here. Uh, I've been starting off every one of these conversations with some table settings, right? What's your favorite fantasy baseball format and scoring format? Whew. I mean, I play mostly 5x5 Roto now. Uh, I, kind of, I grew up on a... You know, my original home league was a four by four ale only keeper wow. league um, with kind of like original rules. Uh, it eventually grew into a five by five, uh, you know, as uh, as the league started to adjust a little bit more to kind of current times. I miss that format. I don't play it anymore. They kicked me out uh, a number of years ago <laughs> um, when I started uh, becoming more popular within the industry. Uh, and beating them, uh, but uh, I, I miss that format. I, I wish I could go back, especially because it had a live draft and a live auction component, right? Like for me, fantasy at the end of the day, while it's a profession for us, it's also right. a game, and it's it's a really fun game. And I think the best part of the game is sitting down with your friends and and kind of having that atmosphere. And so, uh, any any draft or auction that's live, I think, is my favorite. Yeah, format. I'm I'm right there with you. And- the auction, the draft, I was talking to Jenny Butler the other day who brought up that she actually runs or is in a home league that's a hybrid. First eight rounds are auction, then they change the snake draft after that, which I enjoyed because I think it gives you the best of both worlds in a lot of ways. But yeah, lot, lot, being in person, being able to you know, have a drink or have some snacks and sit around with some friends and, and BS and uh, mock other people's picks and get upset when they mock yours. That's really what fantasy baseball is all about. Now... A few years back, you started TGFBI, which I always get wrong, the the acronym, but uh, it's had its own headaches, right? You've had to deal with BS from people on Twitter. You've had to deal with some sniping from people who I'm sure you've considered friends at one point or, or not in your professional career. You're running a massive 400-plus person tournament year in, year out. It brings out the best and it brings out the worst in people. Have there been any lessons learned over the years on running a league like that? And then in turn, playing in a league like that? I think the lessons learned in terms of running a league like that is um, often, I think, our natural instinct is to take in as much advice and feedback as possible. And I do. I like I listen but ultimately, what I've what I've come to learn is that when you're running something that large, you have to kind of just be a dictator about it. Like, this is how it's going to be. Yeah, I understand, like, you know, maybe you think it should be run differently or done differently. Um, but this is my vision. Right. This is my project. Uh, and this is how it's going to be. Um, not to say, like, I haven't made changes 
to it over the years because people have suggested things. Um, obviously, I have. But ultimately, you know, for me, it's about, you know, building a community, uh, giving people who wouldn't necessarily get a mic microscope on them the ability to be seen by a really large audience of people. Uh, and that is what is important to me. And to kind of preserve that to the best of my ability is kind of... And has it influenced the way you play it all? Being in charge and seeing that grow the way it has? I don't know if it's influenced the way I play it all. Um, I think it's definitely influenced my skill level in terms of giving me more information sure. because... You know, I have to, you know, you know, behind the scenes for those who aren't in the industry, when you apply, you, you fill out like a Google form and you have to submit a link. So that way I can actually, because I don't know everybody who applies, right? There's only, there's a, there's a limit to the amount of people I know. Um, and so like I have to go and read or listen to podcasts and every once in a while there's going to be someone, uh, or usually a few times a season, there's going to be someone I don't know, I've never heard of before. And that submit something that is really, really mm -hmm. good, like, you know, content wise. Um, and then they become part of my process in terms of, you know, how I learn to play the game better, how I evaluate talent, um, you know, how I, you know, kind of craft my uh, strategical uh, approaches. So uh, I think it's been one of those things, I honestly, until you asked the question, I never really thought about, like, how much that actually has changed me as a player. It's definitely helped me as an analyst and a player just maybe not in the general sense just kind of uh you know just giving me more better information because there's some really really good players that people don't know about and that i don't know about and so that you know every year i get to be introduced to a bunch now some more. behind the scenes here i did send justin a list of questions uh that we were going to talk about today give him a heads up be able to prepare for it i did have one that i didn't list that i'm now going to foreshadow in that uh i want to start asking everyone who comes on a name of someone, an analyst, a player, who most people don't know, who you suggest going out and finding or following on Twitter or whatever it might be. So you can keep that in the back of your brain. I'm going to come back to that later, mm -hmm. Justin. But someone who is not, you know, the Jeff Erickson's or Steve Gardner's or Vlad Sedler's or whoever it might be, the ones names we all know uh, but should. So noodle on that as we talk about other things. Uh, you mentioned you're busy. You're busy all year round. You're constantly creating content, uh, whether – uh, content for fantasy baseball or content uh, for others. Uh, you were on PitchCon the other day. Um, you and your wife are, are one of the best comedic duos on Twitter. Um, so there's the constant back and forth. Uh, has creating content affected how much you draft, when you draft, how you draft? Has it been a change over the past few years doing as much as you have? Yeah, I, I feel like it's almost like a snowball rolling downhill, right? Because the more I do, the more I want to do. Um, you know, when I first entered the fantasy industry, I was maybe playing in two or three leagues. And, you know, it, it snowballed all the way to the point where I, I played in 29 last year. Um, because I want to be, be informed on what I'm talking about, right? And that means playing lots of leagues, playing lots of different formats, you know, it's, it's hard to write about a points league if you don't right. play in points leagues. It's hard to write about dynasty if you don't play in dynasty. Um, I'm also super competitive, so that that that's part of the problem <laughs> as well. <laughs> and, and I, you know, I, I I'm very open about the fact that I'm I'm a recovering alcoholic and, and drug addict. Um, in many ways, fantasy baseball, fantasy football, uh, fantasy sports in general have uh, you know, become a different addiction sure. in, in in some ways. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I do a lot of content, like you mentioned. Like, I mean, I, I write four to five times a week on fan graphs and I'm doing anywhere from five to seven podcasts a week, depending on how many times I'm guest spotting on other people's uh, pods. So, you know, but uh, it's gone from being a hobby right. to a job. So it's kind of like, hey, I, I got to put in the hours. I got to put in the work. And I think the only way you get better at producing content, because I'll be honest, when I first started doing it, it was absolute garbage. Um, is by just continuing yep. to do it. I think if someone had listened to the first episodes of Friends of Fantasy Benefits, they'd be like, oh my god, this guy's never going to accomplish anything. Um, but I, you know, and I, and I knew how bad I was. Uh, I just worked really hard to get mediocre. <laughs> I think a testament <laughs> to your work ethic, and I, I want to respect and uh, double down on what you said about the, the recovery in your life. That is a whole other set of circumstances and, and processes that you go through. There are a few other out there in the fantasy world who have been open about their uh, addiction and how they've gone about recovery. And I know you say somewhat tongue-in-cheek about filling the void a little bit with, but I think I respect the hell of you for saying it, owning it, and you know being able to mentally say, hey, you know, this might be a little bit down that road. And I'm transitioning to this next question, which is slightly a joke, but also respectful of that comment is we've seen on Twitter, you have a set number of leagues you can play in this year. Uh, that is uh, per your wife on Twitter. The, and she is very vocal about anyone who invites you to more than that. I know it's half fun. I know it's half serious. Relationships are what they are. And we're all sort of playing it. How is it going so far? Have you, you know, been able to keep that cap uh, firmly in place? And do you think you will hit that number once opening day, whenever that is, comes around? Yeah, I, I think if opening day is delayed too much, I'm going to be in some trouble. Um, because, uh, yeah, what what I did was once that cap was instant, and the backstory is I was at First Pitch Arizona, uh, I was talking to Rob Silver, and uh, I mentioned kind of in passing, like, you know, I'm coming back on leagues this year because it playing in as many as I have hurts my bottom line, right? I can't be competitive in all of them. Um, and I know there, and I could even pinpoint a bunch of instances last year where it, it literally cost me money because I couldn't set enough lineups quick enough. I couldn't, you know, pay attention as thoroughly as I wanted. So I wanted to cut back. And so he bet me um, a fancy dinner. I don't know what a fan. I mean, fancy dinner. Rob Silver maybe I mean, way more Canadian, than I'm thinking. So. Of fancy dinner. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, so well, there's the know, currency yeah, so rate. Dinner, we got to figure out the like, currency yeah. difference. Yeah, who knows? But uh, that I would play in seventeen over under seventeen okay. and a half. So I have to play in seventeen or less leagues. Um, my wife, upon <laughs> hearing that, issued a similar challenge. Uh, but lowered lowered the amount of leagues and raised the stakes, saying she would divorce me if I played in more than 15. Um, so I think 16 is the right. sweet spot, right? I still win my bet with Rom, <laughs> but uh, I can test the resolve of my wife. Uh, so, But what I did was I, I sat down, I made a spreadsheet, and I said, okay, these are the leagues that are important to me yep. that I really want to do, yeah. Um, whether it's important because it's something like TGFBI or Tout Wars or whether it's important to me, like it's high money or that it preps right. me well for the upcoming, you know, the upcoming bigger drafts. And I said, okay, now I'm going to schedule them out. I'm going to start, I'm going to do this draft here, this draft here, this draft here. And so far I've stuck to that. 
Um, so I'm on pace for 15 leagues. Um, and as long as, <laughs> yeah, we don't have, a, we have a two month delay to the start of the season. Those two months, I'm going to be scratching right. my skin pretty hard, jonesing for another league. You're going to be um, playing like USFL but, uh, fantasy football. Just, just to. <laughs> oh, I played KBO DFS during, you know, the 2020 season. Like I, um, I mean, I'm up till like two or three o'clock in right. the morning anyway. So I, you know, I was one of the few people that was up when, you know, uh, when rosters were announced. Um, but I mean, this is something I've tried to kind of address, not just from the league standpoint, but also from the content yep. standpoint that, you know, I'm, I'm really, really good at taking on way yep. too much. Uh, and there have been times in which like I am working till three, four o'clock in the morning every night uh, on top of working a 40 hour week job and having two children and a wife. So, uh, you know, the last couple of years, and I think COVID has been very yep. helpful in this in, in some regards is I've had to kind of take a step back and reevaluate how much I'm doing and what I can really reasonably, you know, do, um, and make some really tough decisions in terms of, Hey, you know, you know, I, I'm very upfront now with like my employers, uh, and saying like, Hey, this is what I can do. This is what I can't do. This is what I will do. And this is what I won't do. Um, and, and then sticking to that and being honest when I'm overloaded, like, Hey, I, I need a break or, you know, I, I was at fantasy alarm for a couple of years and, uh, you know, love Howard, love fantasy alarm. You know, but it yeah, became too sure. much and I had to I had to step away and be like, listen, I just can't do it with the amount of stuff that's going on in my life. Uh, so I'm getting better. I'm not great. I mean, I was up till four o'clock in the morning, I think Sunday or Saturday night um, doing stuff for TGFBI. Uh, so, I mean, there's I, I definitely will fall into yep. bad habits if I'm not careful, but it's something I'm well, working it, it, on. You nailed it. I think similar Jenny Butler talking to her. She, she made the point. She, I can't manage that many fabs. I can't manage that many lineups. So I'm going to be very mindful of how many times I draft. And I think it's a great self-restraint moment of what's your line of being efficient and being good. And once you pass that line, I'm, I'm very similar to you. I take on too much. I'll, I'll, I'm a yes person. Yeah, mm -hmm. I can do that. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, I don't want to miss this opportunity. I don't want to miss out on this, whatever it might be. Um, but, and this isn't a, a parent thing, but it's just life happens. Like there's so much else happening that I don't think, uh, we always think about when it comes to fantasy content. It sounds silly, uh, but a little bit of grace towards other people. And I saw, I won't mention their name cause I'm not really close to them, but someone tweeted out, I'm so sorry. I didn't make any content this week. There's stuff happening in my family. Hey, th that you should never have to tweet that out. Like you should never mm -hmm. feel like you need to apologize to a damn person about not, you know, if they're subscribed, fine. You, th but even still, so uh, good on you. I look forward to seeing opening day on opening day, so your medal is not tested in that way. <laughs> but uh, we do want to turn to strategy for for fantasy baseball for 2022. Do you have an overarching approach? Like, do you have when you sit down for a draft the way you go about preparing for it? Uh, I mean, for the most part, I you know I kind of have my same approach. I make sure I have got my ranks, and depending on the format, I may have a computer with me in order to run projections as the draft goes on. So you know, like a five by five league or an auction league, especially, um, you know, I can mostly do it in my head, but uh, you know, computers right. always good to have. Uh, you know, um, I I'm the type of person that believes, like you know, in a strategical sense that the puzzle can go to de can go together a lot 100%. of different ways. Um, 
and I try to keep myself very flexible, especially in like auctions, if you know, uh, because you never know what other yep. people are going to do, and other people are going to kind of dictate what you can and can't do. I definitely have a set idea of what I want to do before I enter every draft, but I'm also not opposed to switching things up and trying to build things different ways. Uh, and I think that gives me a little bit of an advantage to people who have got a kind of strict, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna go into the draft, I'm going to get this, this, and this, and I don't care what it costs or what, what I have to do to do it. Um, I try to be as flexible as possible. Maybe sometimes a little bit too flexible. Uh, maybe sometimes I, I need to stick a little bit more to my guns. Uh, but uh, I, I think flexibility is a good you know, trade to have when you're entering. One hundred percent. You know, I've used the word agile uh, a bunch. Anyone who works in corporate America knows about lean and agile and all of these different ways to production. Um, I think agile applies very much in the draft room or auction. The pro- I think what you nailed on though is sometimes you need to be more firm, right? You you need to be able mm-hmm. to take a stand at one spot or or make that move rather than always being the one moving. But it's all on the draft room too. Feeling out the draft room, understanding yeah. who's there, understanding tendencies, and who who's the price enforcer in an auction. You have one in every room. Every, mm-hmm. There's always a guy or, or a gal who's like, oh, you know, this guy's actually twelve dollars. I'm going to bid him up. And can you can you get them on the hook for fourteen instead of twelve dollars? Can you do those sort of things? So it's mm-hmm. a lot of fun. Um, I, I think strategy is it needs to be movable and agile and, and a way to approach. We've talked a little bit about the the potential delayed start to the season is that affecting your prep at all is that affecting the way you're looking at anything or right now you're just saying hey the season will be here eventually and i'm going to draft accordingly yeah i think i'm planning right now as if the season's going to start on time i mean i feel pretty good about where things are in terms of their discussions the the fact that they've had discussions i didn't think they were going to start discussing things until closer to when pitchers Same. and catchers reported. And the fact that I think they're having, what, their third meeting today um, is, is a really good sign. I think I think they kind of know exactly where they're going to end up. It's just kind of fighting over some of the minutia of it. So I, I get a feeling that we're going to get a deal here before the end of the month and that spring training is going to start. Maybe spring training is delayed a little bit, but I think the season actually starts on time. So... Uh, if it doesn't, you know, I'll, I, I say with fantasy, I always tell people like, Hey, give me the rules and I'm going to figure out how to win the game. If the rules change at some point before the game starts, I'm still going to figure out how to win the game. I'm pretty good at adjusting pretty quickly, but I don't want to plan for something that I don't know is going to happen. Yep. I think that's a very, uh, great approach and it's, uh, maybe not positive, but it is a, you know, more of a positive side to how we can approach this. And I think uh, being slightly more positive is, is needed in the world right now uh, mm-hmm. for darn sure. Uh, we've talked in the past about pitching. I know you, you do the podcast with Paul and Paul's really made his mm-hmm. sort of name in fantasy baseball around starting pitching and, and being on uh, really the cusp of some great metrics years ago and how he was uh, analyzing. But We've seen over the past few years starting pitching rise, right? The the elite arm has become a first or second round draft pick. The DeGroms, the Scherzers, I can run down any of the names. We're seeing this year, and maybe a little bit of last year, but much more this year, the, the big bounce in elite closers, right? 5x5 five five Roto still saves are weighed the same as wins, right? For lack of better description. What's your take on the price of the top end closers and how are you approaching uh, the haters and the Hendricks 
to start the year. Yeah, I think that this is something that somewhat happens. It's a little bit more aggressive this year for sure, but um, this happens kind of every year in early drafts because we don't know where a lot of the guys who haven't signed, there's a lot of unsettled bullpen situations. And when there's so many unsettled bullpen situations, people just push up the settled ones. Like, right, if you know Rossio Iglesias or, or Hader Hendricks are going to be the guy, Edwin Diaz is going to be the guy, you're going to push them up over the situations in, like, San Diego, in Seattle, in Cincinnati, that, um, or even Boston, like, where you're not real sure about w- what's going to happen there. Um, that being said, like, things end up getting figured out and some of these starts to even out. I think that will happen. The only problem is with the lockout this year, it may be right. a while before. And so I think the I think it's going to be more inflated than it has been in the past and we won't get the deflation we usually get as things start getting settled in spring training if spring training is delayed or shortened. So uh, I'm all for going after closers high. Uh, I know the old, you know, Matthew Berry mantra is like, don't pay for saves, you know. Uh, but I think we have to remember that one, you know, he was talking about like in 10 team standard right. leagues, right? You know, if you're playing in 10 team standard leagues, you could probably devalue saves. Um, I think more people are playing in, in 12 teamers now um, in more competitive leagues. Uh, and so I don't want to be holding or like dipping into some of these situations. Yep. As my with my number one closer, I, I've had a draft or two where already this season where I missed out on that elite run and I ended up with like guys like Dylan Floro, you know, as like you know uh, as like one of my you know best save options, and I don't feel really good about it. Um, and I, I know there's a lot of turnover here with closers, but there isn't as much I think in the elite tiers as we right. make it out to be there. There are bad years. The year like where Edwin Diaz and Blake trying in like totally screwed over fantasy uh, players is a really good example. But usually those guys hold on to right. their job in, in the top tiers. It, it's the middle tiers and the lower tiers where it's crazy. Um, you're going to pay for saves one way or another. You're either going to pay for them at the draft table or you're going to pay for them in fab. And I would much rather pay for them at the draft table and then use my fab to improve other aspects of my team as opposed to having to throw constant dart throws. Um, a great example is my TGFBI team last year. I drafted in my TGFBI team, uh, in, and keep in mind, we start drafting yep. you know end of February, beginning of March. I drafted Trevor Rosenthal uh, as my first closer. Archie Bradley as my second closer. Jonathan Hernandez as my third closer. And Nick Whitgren as my fourth right. closer. So by the time the season started um, and, you know, the first month or two into the season, I had like zero saves. You know, Rosenthal got hurt. Hernandez got hurt. uh, Bradley didn't get the job. Whitgren didn't get the job. I spent 900 of my $1,000 fab trying to get saves. I eventually did, but it made me spend so many resources in season trying to get them that I couldn't improve the rest of my team. I ended up with like 20 saves or something for the year, which if I had just spent a third round pick on a guy like Hader Hendricks, um, I probably could have come close to winning the league or at least been right. competitive. Uh, you know, I ended up finishing, I think a fifth or sixth in that league. And 
the main difference was I didn't have sex. The thing I'm most intrigued by is, does groupthink come in here, right? Do, do we get to a point in these 12 or 15 team leagues where everyone's playing from the same songbook or singing from the same songbook as it is, and you're now competing that much more on the waiver wire? You're competing that much more in late rounds trying to find these. And I think that's where, to your point about being agile in a draft, you you read that room early and see where things are going and see who's piling up saves. You make the transition. You you you, you maybe in that fifth round draft a you know a, a middle tier guy that you are more confident in and you draft him around or too early because you you I, and I think that's where people are going to win this year is really modifying in draft dependent on the way things are going in auction spending the extra two or three dollars on somebody that just to secure some of these saves. Um, I, I think. I think it's going to be a fun year. Are you a early drafter or a late drafter? Like, do you care? I know, I know, you will draft whenever. Let me rephrase this. Do you mm-hmm. prefer leagues that draft closer to the start of the season or leagues that draft well in advance of the season? I I actually prefer the early drafts, and I know I'm kind of in the minority on that. But I start my process of getting ready for the upcoming season way before right. everybody else, um, mostly so I'm not influenced by other people. But also because I'm not as smart as some of the other content creators in the industry, and it takes me that much. You're giving longer. people way too much credit, Justin. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, like don't get me wrong. Like, I, I'm not dumb <laughs> by any stretch uh, of the imagination. Uh, but like, I wasn't bl- born with like the mind of like Alex sure, Fast or Nick Pollock or you know Saris or Alex Chamberlain, like those guys. Uh, uh, you know, and and some really smart women in the industry too, uh, and so. In order for me to process as much information as I want to and it be up to date as I want to, I start getting prepped in like August um, for the next season. Like my first ranks usually are posted in September of you know of the previous season for the upcoming season, and so by the time October and November and December roll around, I'm really ready to go. And over half the industry hasn't even switched football. off from yep. football, you know, uh, and so. Uh, I feel like I have a distinct advantage over people. And if you look at some of my leagues last year, the majority of the leagues I won last year drafted in October, November, and December when I, you know, had a distinct advantage because I put in so many hours already. Um, so yeah, I, I do kind of prefer the, the early season, but I also understand like, like there's so risky, right? right? Well, I there's mean, risk. You, know, you have no idea who's going to get hurt. You have no idea who's, there's risk know, in all of it. Uh, you're yeah. drafting people. Yeah. Yeah, oh, definitely. Um, you know, because you can draft on. Oh, I mean, I my last draft of the year is always the night is is a main event league. It's yep. always the night before the start of the season, and it, it it doesn't matter. Like you could have a guy that you take in the third round that blows right. out his elbow right. opening day. So I mean, there's risk just involved could in the game. Have, so you know, Kevin Brown punch a, a phone box. Was that like twenty five years ago? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. Uh, aging myself pretty quickly with that statement. Uh, let's talk outfield quickly. I've seen varying questions or, or statements from analysts, from players, from people just trying to get a, a gauge of it on standard Roto, five outfielders, right? You're, you're dealing with five outfielders in your starting lineup. Is there more of a middle and low-end value this year than there has been in years past? We've seen the high-end be great and then have a, a decent fall-off from there. Do you think there's more balance throughout outfield this year? Um, I think outfield, I think every position has pretty decent depth for the most part. Um, there's some guys going late. I really, really like, 
I think what separates outfield and probably third base from the other positions is the severity of drop off from like the top two to three tiers to the rest. Um, and so, and like, so if you're playing in a 10 team league, you may not feel that as harshly, right? So 10 team league, five outfielders each, you know, 50 outfielders, like, you know, you can still like pull from that top 40, but when you start playing in 12 teamers or 15 teamers, um, it's pretty stark, like just the, you know, especially with the amount of platooning that goes on now, uh, you know, just some of the unsettled situations, you know, teams like the Giants who just love to kind of rotate yep. guys in and out. Um, it becomes pretty ugly pretty quick. And if, if you're anything like me and you like the really deep leagues, like the 50-round draft and holds, um, by the end, you're drafting guys you barely know their name. Um, like, you know, I, uh, Ryan Velotti was my last outfielder in a draft I'm doing right now. I like him. I think he's interesting, but... There's also a chance he gets like 30 plate appearances this year, and now he's stuck on my team the whole year. So, um, I think there's a little bit of uh, blowing smoke that the industry is doing on third base and outfield in general. Um, but I also understand, like, you know, you really have to know where your value tiers are, and that if you don't want to be stuck with a like, you know, a bunch of guys, then waiting on those position in the first, you know. 10 right. rounds of your draft isn't very smart. Makes sense. And uh, you mentioned one name already. I don't think it's somebody you're going to be uh, screaming from the rooftops there. But who are some of the names that you like from the low end? Or, or va- let's say value. Low end's probably not a good uh, phrase there. But value outfielders, some names you've seen, some names you like, and we'll target late on in drafts. Yeah, I mean, like, um, depends on how late we're talking. But, like, Jesus Sanchez, I think, is going around pick, like, 220-something uh, I think he is really, really interesting. He's going to have a full-time role. He's going right next to Joe Adele, who I like as well, but I think Adele has quite a bit more risk that people aren't kind of playing into. Uh, Connor Joe is like a really, really popular name that we're hearing uh, as kind of a trendy sleeper. Uh, some people have even mentioned him as the next Cedric Mullins. There is no next Cedric Mullins. That's just not a thing. Um, guy I've mentioned as the next Cedric Mullins, which still isn't a thing, <laughs> is Bradley Zimmer. Um, I love Bradley Zimmer. I've loved I watched Bradley Zimmer play in college. He went to USF, so, you know, like an hour down uh, an hour down the road for me. Um, you know, he's got power, he's got speed, and he strikes out way too much. Uh, and But if he can if he can get some contact skills, really improve those, he's got a good walk rate. He, you know, Cleveland's one of those situations where there's just not right. much in the outfield. Um, and that's one of the things, like, when you're taking guys late, right? If you're targeting, you know, position like outfield late – Look for the places where it looks barren, right? You know, people are like, oh, I don't want Adolis Garcia this year because his profile is risky. Look at the rest of that team and you go, even right. if he's risky, they're bad and he's going to play. Opportunity, yep. Like, you know, and so a guy like Bradley Zimmer, Tyrone Taylor is kind of interesting as a late guy too, you know, especially with it, uh, an LDH likely coming into play this year. He could find himself getting some more time. Um, so there's just a, a few guys that I Bradley really Zimmer's like. been somebody on my radar for a while, mainly because I had way too strong an infatuation with Grady Sizemore, and they're not the same player. <laughs> like they're they're not at all. No. Uh, but like that Cleveland outfield just has a spot in my heart because Sizemore was one of my mm-hmm. favorite favorite guys for that solid. It was like a three and uh-huh. a half year span where he was one of the best he, in the league. If, um, you know, he's one of those guys that injuries, yep. man, like. 
you wish you could turn off injuries for a certain player just what to see done? how their career would have played out because uh, for those who were who were yeah. too young, well, screw you if um, you're too young. Grady Sizemore, yeah, exactly. Grady Sizemore was like a you know 25, 25, 30, yep. 30 candidate, and then bad knees. I think a back yep. issue. It ended too, up being right? it was um, knees first, and then back, and tried to get back too too yeah. fast, and it all went downhill. He just never was able to completely turn it back around. Um, but he uh, he was one of those guys that. I thought we were going to be drafted in the first round of fantasy leagues for a really long 100%. time. Uh, yeah, and they're not, yeah. and I recognize they're not in any way. I mean, they both play the outfield, but um, <laughs> but their their profiles are 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 vastly different when it all comes yeah. to it. But yeah, Sizemore had some pretty darn good uh, yep. contact skills, whereas uh, Zimmer's got he's got power. Like I think he could legit hit 25, 30 home runs, uh, and I think he he definitely steal. 25 mm-hmm. to 40 bases the problem is he just swings and misses way too much you know his contact percentage is usually around you know in between 60 and 70 percent um uh in zone 60 and 70 percent which is you know way below league average if he can make some adjustments um especially with a walk rate because he's a guy who's shown he can walk at a double digit rate uh in the minor leagues i think he could he's one of those guys that could really pop the chance that he does is pretty low, but when you're getting around pick 400, 450, like I'll take the gamble. And if it doesn't work out, you just drop and move on. Yep. To the next and game. I think, uh, I'm, I'm a big post hype guy. So Zimmer was the name mm-hmm. a couple of years ago as the rookie or, you know, a minor leaguer who was going to come up and make a huge difference. And slowly because of those contact issues, uh, has struggled uh, a decent amount, but again, opportunities there, they're going to be at bats for him and he's going to have mm-hmm. to figure it out or, or pull a Matt Laporta and just be a, a quad a player. For, for, oh, for many, many a year. <laughs> That's um, a name. I bought, you oh, talked about God. seeing uh, at USF, uh, Matt Laporta was on the 2004 Cape Cod Summer League team that I called play-by-play for. So I actually did Jaeger bombs with Matt Laporta. Um, and uh, and uh, who else was there? What's his name? Uh, oh, my goodness. J- Jacoby Ellsbury was uh, in, in the same. Oh, wow. He was on a different team, but uh, mm-hmm. drank with him as well. Uh, but Laporta just mashed the kid, but couldn't do it at the major league level. I do want to get to the last question, which um, who's an analyst? Who are people you've had on your podcast? Who's somebody that is not getting, and I don't think anyone's chasing clout or chasing the the stars, mm-hmm. but who's somebody you think deserves more attention in the, the fantasy baseball space? Man, there's a lot of good answers to this question because there's a lot of, I think often people... I think the easy, like lazy analysis of an of analysis, is that if someone has a lot of followers, that means they're worth following, right? Or if they're working at a major site, like that means they're really good, and that is not always the case, right? There's some bad analysts that have a lot of followers. Name names. Uh, name names. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, exactly. It's me, <laughs> me, right there. Um, the name the name. Uh, and then there's some really good analysts, um, and uh, you know, players that aren't aren't working for major sites or don't have very many followers, you know, guys who come off kind of, uh, top of my head. Um, you know, Kenyatta Storin is a guy, he just got nominated for one or two fantasy sports writers association awards, uh, which is awesome to see. He is the overall historical number one player in TGFBI. Um, and not only is he that, he's also like been really, really good in the Scott Fishbowl, which is like the football yep. equivalent of TGFBI. Uh, he's a really, really good writer. Uh, he works over at Number Fire. 
he's got like I think less than a thousand followers um, on Twitter. Like it's criminal. People should be following him. He clearly knows how to play the game, and he's a very good writer. Uh, he's being recognized as both, but doesn't get. I think the recognition among just regular people because he doesn't work for one of those big name sites necessarily. I, I dig it. Um, I just had Carlos Marcano mm-hmm. on, uh, on sleeper on the bus. He's a guy who's going to become more popular again. Another guy who just got nominated for uh, two uh, FSWA awards. Really, really smart guy, newer to the industry. Um, and I think the other guy I really want to uh, plug uh, Eric Smolsky, um, who uh, does a pod called catcher's corner. Uh, if you want to understand like pitching and catching, uh, like it's really, really interesting. Like how like, he just understands the mechanics of it so well. Um, he's another guy I've had on the sleeper in the bus and he's going to be coming on uh, a pot or two uh, with me at some point uh, this uh, draft season. Uh, really, really, really smart guy. Fantastic. And you can find, I'll put their Twitter handles in the description of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's uh, at Kenyatta Storin. I'm pretty sure. I think it's C.A. Marcano for Carlos. Uh, and the last yep. one I will find. I do not follow. but I... It's uh, Samski NYC, okay. I believe, for Eric. Uh, you know, And one of the things I, I highly recommend, when TGFBI like, announces like all the leagues, like I yep. do a whole Twitter thread. Like, League 1, who hears it in it. League 2, here's on Just go follow them all. Like, I mean, that's like a really good way of, you know, and some of them don't. Pan out. You know, well, that's much content. Don't pan out. They, they, yeah, yeah. Someone the other day like sent me a tweet. He goes, "I'm unfollowing you. I love your work, but you don't tweet enough about it." I'm like, cool. "Okay, that's yeah. that's yeah. fine." Yeah, I mean, I I get it. If you don't want to see my wordle score or me and my wife bicker, um, <laughs> you know, uh, I I I totally totally get it. Uh, I've stopped tweeting about wordle uh, just because I know oh, I, people who don't. Play I still don't do it now. It, but... I put a letter in front of wordle. So that if people have Wordle oh, muted, it still shows up in their feed because I'm that big a jerk. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, there's there's two different versions that I found. Actually, there's three different versions that I found. Um, other than Wordle, there's now Swerdle, which is four letter words of swearing. Um, there's Loodle, Loodle, yeah, I've seen that one. Which yeah. Um, and then there's Absurdle. I haven't played Absurdle yet, but uh, uh, I love posting those because people like Sammy Reed who have it muted will just get so upset at me. It's like, I'm trying to like eliminate this from my time. You also were doing like, the fantasy baseball me. one for a little while, which was fun. Yeah, I was. That's a lot of work. Which, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, especially if you start getting like everybody tweeting right. at you all of a sudden. Like, it's like, oh, I've got to keep up and I've got to figure out exactly, you know, uh, where these letters go and stuff like that. It, it was fun. Uh, but unfortunately, I just don't have like an hour right. to devote if, if to not more. every day. Justin, I, I think most mm-hmm. know, but where can folks find you, find your work, uh, and find uh, mm-hmm. more information on 2022 fantasy baseball season from you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Justin Mason FWFB. Um, I'm also on Facebook with a public uh, uh, profile. Um, I'm on TikTok. I don't really do much. I'm trying to figure out how to use it all and stuff. I'm, I'm on Instagram, I definitely don't <laughs> use that at all. Uh, uh, Pinterest? Then, Are you on Pinterest? Um, you, no? okay, I am right. not on Pinterest. I'm not on Pinterest. I'm I'm not on Tumblr. Um, what about Bumble? No, that's, uh, that's I joking altogether. Right? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I jokingly said I was going to set up an OnlyFans, <laughs> um, but I haven't done that either yet. Uh, but yeah, most of my stuff you can find on Twitter, uh, and then uh, I write at Fangraphs uh, five days a week, four to five days a week. Um, uh, tgfbi.com, friendsoffantasybenefits.com, 
Uh, and then I'm on the Sleeper in the Bust, TGFBI podcast, and the Friends of Fantasy Benefits podcast. And you can sign up for TGFBI. Uh, today's last day. I'm I don't gonna know when this is going to be released. Right, but... As soon. So if you listen, boom, you sign this up. Is, last day. This is the last day to sign up for TGFBI. The satellites, if you want to try to win your way in, if you're not in the industry... Those those signups will be open a little bit longer. I kind of get TGFBI set up first before I even go and look at those. So uh, those satellite leagues are awesome. Uh, we use those and TGFBI to raise yep. money for charity, which is always uh, a really good cause and people really. Yeah, support. I think uh, one of the benefits of uh, fantasy sports over the past few years is seeing the Scott Fishes, uh, what pitchers listed last week, what you do is really finding ways to turn that content into benefits beyond just the fantasy industry. So kudos to you and kudos to everyone who, who does that on a regular basis. Uh, for anyone listening, find us on Spotify, find us on all the podcasting apps, like, subscribe, do all those silly things people tell you to do. Share it with your friends. Don't share it with your friends. Comment, don't comment. I'm doing this so I get prepared for the 2022 fantasy baseball season. And I hope with that, you all have happy drafting. <laughs>